From app.com, it's time to talk college hoops in the Garden State. Welcome to Jersey Jump Shot. And welcome back to Jersey Jump Shot, episode seven of our season. Ryan Ross here with Steve Edelson, Jerry Carino, Chris Eisman, recapping a successful week for our New Jersey schools. A couple wins, a couple of big wins for Seton Hall and Rutgers. Seton Hall, they win two this week over Georgetown and Creighton. Rutgers loses to Northwestern, but who cares? They have a big win at home against Michigan State. We'll get into that result as well. Monmouth, they win two as well over Fairfield and Quinnipiac. Princeton, they split with the New York schools, lose to Cornell and a win over Columbia. St. Peter's with two wins as well. And NJIT, how about them? A nice little buzzer beater win over Stony Brook. Overall, as I said, a nice week for New Jersey schools. Jerry, we'll start with you because we talked about it with Brad last week. Seton Hall winning two games, kind of taking care of business, doing what they had to do, especially with a big win over Creighton. Just to build on what you said, Ryan, this was a banner week for uh, Jersey weekend for Jersey College basketball. I mean, really up and down the line. And you're starting to see now teams make the postseason push, right? We're five weeks from Selection Sunday. So it's time to talk about positioning and bracketology. And Seton Hall really helped itself last week, uh, winning two games and looking really good in the second game. Now, they're still playing without Bryce Aiken. And so, you know, their best guard, arguably their best player, averaging 19 points a game in the Big East, has missed five games with a concussion he suffered three weeks ago. Seton Hall has navigated those games with a 3-2 and two record. Not bad. And I think he'll be back this week. You know, you got to be careful. You don't know. There's a protocol. The head is a is a, is a funny thing. Funny is not the right word. It's a, a difficult thing to, to give a timetable for. But the, the vibe I get, the feeling seems to be that there's a pretty good chance he's going to suit up at some time this week. And the, and the big thing is Seton Hall learned to play without him. You know, they were they were dependent on his offense. And so when he was hurt, the offense just disappeared for a few games. But give them credit, Kevin Willard went into the lab and he pulled out some really strong performances by guys that were at the end of his rotation. Jameer Harris, the pride of North Brunswick who was the eighth, the ninth man in the rotation getting like five minutes a game, has stepped in and played a huge role. Trey Jackson, who was the last forward off the bench, he's now moved into this wing shooter type position where, you know, he provided a huge game at Georgetown, 21 points, shot a bunch of threes when they needed him late. So Kevin Willard has adjusted. The players have adapted. And for Seton Hall to, to, to crush Creighton Friday night, a Creighton team coming off a win at UConn, which was 17th ranked, that's a really good sign for the Pirates that they're hitting stride and playing like they're capable of. This is why you have depth. Now, the question becomes, can they integrate Bryce Aiken back into the lineup seamlessly? We'll get to that in a little bit. But for now, the Pirates did their job. They're sitting pretty at 35 in the net, 5-6 and six in the Big East, but their non-conference schedule continues to carry them. Good signs and a good spot for Seton Hall. And plenty of more opportunity to add to that resume coming up for the Pirates. We'll get into the week ahead, but some big games coming up for Seton Hall as well. And and we'll see what they can do. And, and as you said, well, it'll be interesting to see what happens when Aiken comes back, how they adapt to that. But as you said, Jerry, uh, navigating the waters pretty well without him. As for Rutgers, they lose to Northwestern. But the big story for the Scarlet Knights, Chris, is that huge win over Michigan State at home. Jersey Mike's Arena, a.k.a. the Rack. Uh, such a great environment. We saw that Saturday with that big win. Yeah, no doubt, Ryan. And look, last week, I think, 
perfectly encapsulated what has been so maddening for Rutgers fans and probably Steve Peichel too, or definitely not, or definitely not probably, you know, they go to Northwestern, they fall into that 24 point hole. Then they make a huge comeback. Thanks to, you know, Paul Mulcahy just played incredible, um, you know, finishing with 31 points. They end up losing in overtime and just a, a heartbreaking loss. And then they come back home and they just, put on a dominant showing against Michigan state, which, you know, we'll see what they're ranked today, but they were ranked number 13 on Saturday. I mean, it was just an outstanding performance on both ends of the court. They shot 61%. They made things difficult on the Spartans offense. Again, Paul Mulcahy, another really, really nice game, a career high 12 assists. He had 15 points, his first career, double, double. I mean, that's the type of team that Rutgers needs to be now the rest of the regular season. And they show that they can beat anybody when they play at a high level. And they play like that at home. They just have to continue to do that. You know, they've been so inconsistent all year long. But when you look at the way that they played against Michigan State, it's a tough team. And and they just need more of that. But, you know, we'll see what happens the rest of the way. But, I mean, that was just a, it was a great, great performance. Um, and, and they just completely put the game away in the second half. They went on an 11-0 run. And then Michigan State just was completely thrown off its game and, and couldn't get anything going. So a really, really nice showing for Rutgers. But, again, the big thing is now consistency. If you're looking for reasons to believe Rutgers has turned the corner and is not going to continue this yo-yo type season where they have a great game and an awful game, a great game and an awful game, the reason I will give you is the emergence of Paul Mulcahy as a legitimate, high-quality Big Ten point guard. Here's why. Tom Izzo, who I think is the best game coach in college basketball, he knew Mulcahy was coming. In fact, we had talked to him about it before the game in his his pregame uh, Zoom that he did. Mulcahy scored 31 against Northwestern. Izzo game-planned against him. The master, the grandmaster, game-planned against Paul Mulcahy, who still had 15 points and 12 assists. So there's a sign there that Mulcahy is really coming around and, you know, if Rutgers is going to get good-looking good looking shots because Mulcahy's backing down, breaking down a defense and dishing to the open man, they're going to be a lot tougher to beat. Another thing I want to mention about Rutgers, Geo Baker. I didn't hear boo about him from Rutgers fans after his terrific performance uh, against Michigan State. 12 points, 4 of 7 shooting, uh, 5 assists, 1 turnover. When Rutgers loses, I get barraged with complaints about Baker from Rutgers fans. That's BS. Give the guy credit. He's adapting his role. Baker has been has run the show for Rutgers for a long time. He's now adapting to more of an off-the-ball, complimentary piece as Mulcahy's emerging. That's hard to do. The old dog, new tricks. You know the saying. I think Baker deserves a lot of credit from that. It bothers me that there's a loud segment of Rutgers fans who don't give Geo Baker the credit he deserves, who are quick to pounce on him for all of Rutgers' ills. And I want to highlight him as a really big part of that victory against Michigan State. And I think, you know, for the tremendous career he's had, a chance to put a final signature on his great run at Rutgers over the next couple of weeks as a complimentary guy helping Paul Mulcahy and that offense uh, really move. Yeah, that's the sign of true leadership, Jerry. Like you said, you know, you have a guy who's been almost the, the only name, one of the two names associated with this resurgence for the Scarlet Knights. He was the guy on this team. And to be able to kind of take, like you said, a secondary role, a complementary role to allow a younger player to really start to thrive and emerge, 
that's a sign of leadership. That's a sign of veteran leadership that you need to build programs around. And you, you need more guys like Geo Baker and a lot of these programs. And and you're spot on with that. That's that's the sign of true leadership to be able to not want the spotlight. You can give it up to someone else as long as the team's succeeding. So absolutely hats off to him for, for doing what he's doing with the Scarlet Knights. As for our mid-majors, Steve, uh, we said it at the top, a successful week. Monmouth, they win twice. Uh, Princeton splits. Uh, St. Peter's wins twice. Uh, a nice week here in uh, for our mid-majors. It was. I'm going to start off, though, with a little bit of a mid-major rant here that relates to Monmouth. You know, Monmouth is leaving the, the Metro Atlantic, and they're heading to the CAA. And the MAC is allowing them to play in their tournament games. But meanwhile, the America East is barring Stony Brook from playing in their tournament. And they're leaving for the CAA like Monmouth as well. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. If this is all about student athletes and what's best for them, the only ones this hurts is the kids. It's petty. It's ridiculous. And the CAA is doing the same thing. They're barring James Madison, who's leaving for the Sun Belt from competing in tournaments. Absolutely ridiculous. Bad job by the America East. Bad job by the CAA. And a great job by the MAC for allowing Mama to play. Let me, let me, Go ahead. That's great, Steve. I love it. And let me just add to that. I want to I want to name check Rich Enter, the MAC commissioner, who's done a good job uh, with this. You know, holding holding this uh, line on allowing Mammoth to play, right? He probably has a lot to do with that. Yes, he does. And and again, I, as I said, it's just pettiness within the, within those leagues. You know, the, the conference changes happen. It's part of it's part of life in college basketball now. And the only one you're hurting are the players. It, it makes absolutely no sense. So yes, good job by Rich Enser and the Mac on that. Um, you know, as for Mammoth, you know, they've won five of six. They had two nice wins. Um, I really think that that Mammoth has kind of turned the corner since the 23-day COVID pause when they lost three straight games coming out of that. They've looked really good. Um, you know, they're 15-7 and seven now. They've got nine road wins. No one in the country has more than that. Um, you know, and what I would also say is a little bit of a shout-out for George Pappas. You know, here's a, a Jersey guy, a former walk-on at Mammoth, um, Union Catholic guy. Right now, George Pappas, 16.1 points a game. That's third in the MAC. 5.7 rebounds. That's third among MAC guards. 73 three pointers, by far the most in the league. Seventh in the league in assists. And on Tuesday night, they host Marist. He will get his thousandth point. He only needs two. Just an incredible career for George, you know, coming from. You know, basically, you heard uh, a couple of weeks ago we were talking about him, and and he was tabbed as a Division three player coming out of high school. Get and out of here! These guys can't evaluate anybody. I tell you, what so, a clown show! Dean Reaver, three hundred ninety eighth in his class, ripped <laughs> Michigan State to shreds on Saturday. These these town evaluators don't know anything. Jeez, we have a few guys we trust. We've had Jay Gomes on the show, but come on, man. Give it up. Yeah. Hey, Steve, is George a player of the year candidate in the MAC? Well, and I brought those up because, yes, I absolutely think he has to be part of the conversation. Um, you know, will he get it? I don't know. You know, Marcus Hammond up at Niagara just he, he just led the upset of Ione over the weekend. 
Um, he's gotten a lot of buzz. He's been, but listen, if you look across the board, no one across the board has played better than George Pappas in that league in, in every category. Uh, he, he's, he's been pretty amazing. So, um, I just wanted to give a shout out to George, you know, we look at the other mid majors quickly. I mean, Princeton, you know, Brett McConnell stepping in for Mitch Henderson. They did a nice job, got a split. I mean, it's always tough. They lost at Cornell. That's never an easy place to win. You know, came back and, and beat Columbia. They're still in good shape. You know, it's going to be them or Yale. Uh, St. Peter's, you know, again, they maintain. They they won two games. They're, they're in second place. They're two games behind Iona. Um, so, yeah, overall, a good week for mid-majors in New Jersey. St. Peter's uh, won a game on national television. They had an ESPNU showcase yep. Friday night. And, you know, I was all tied up with Seton Hall and Creighton, but – but that's a really nice job by St. Peter's scoring 83 points and putting their best foot forward with a nice home crowd. Look at the max standings for a minute, uh, Steve. And you got Iona at 11 and one, and that, you know they they actually proved to be fallible. I mean, who thought? I, people were talking about Iona running the table. So, Steve, you know better than anybody. Come on, it's so hard to run a table. No one, no one goes unbeaten in their league anymore. It just doesn't happen. You know, they know you. Everybody knows you. No one's afraid of you. They know what you do. Uh, I just thought it was a matter of time. And Iona had some some really near misses there for a while, uh, escaping with, with late wins. Uh, so it was inevitable. Now, again, do I think anyone's going to catch them for the regular season? No, I don't think that's likely. Uh, but um, – yeah, listen, could somebody knock them off? Well, yeah, now we know. Yes, it, it's right. possible. 11, so Iona's 11 and 1, St. Peter's 9 and 3, Siena's 7 and 4, Mammoth 7 and 4. That's a nice top four. That's yeah. a good top of that league. Yeah, yeah. And and listen, like I said, I think I think Mammoth, you know, Mammoth had St. Peter's at home. You know, that um they're gonna they're gonna go to Iona on on Sunday. Um, they've got they've got their chances coming up, and and I think they're playing well. And and uh, you know, Shavar Reynolds slowly kind of getting back. The only loss Mammoth has had in their last six games a one point loss in overtime to Niagara without Shavar Reynolds, and Niagara comes back out of that game and beats Iona. So that's you know, Mammoth's playing pretty well. Good stuff. Uh, I want to mention Princeton, and uh, you mentioned you you know you mentioned they got a split with Brett McConnell filling in for. For Mitch Henderson, who was on the pro, out for protocol, health protocols, uh, Brett is a former Rutgers manager who has worked his way up at Princeton from uh, from from ops guy to assistant coach to associate head coach, and I think a real rising star in in low in New Jersey and mid major college basketball. I mean, who better to learn from than Mitch Henderson, who's a terrific coach, a terrific guy, so accomplished in a sport of basketball. And, you know, I would love to see uh, Brett get real consideration for some openings. The last, you know, Mitch's last associate head coach, Brian Earl, is now the coach of Cornell, who, you know, another Princeton great who's doing well up there. That program's better. I think uh, I think Brett is ready for prime time and, and did a good job, like you said, getting that split, uh, at, got the win at Columbia. Also, NJIT, just a quick shout-out. Uh, they've had a rough stretch, but beat Stony Brook on a buzzer-beating three by Miles Coleman uh, with one second left. Got got uh, some airtime on ESPN as one of the plays of the day. So good for them. You know, they're they're chugging along in the America East. They're competitive there. So uh, so really capping a, what I thought was a sterling weekend for the Jersey College Hoops beat. 
Absolutely. Uh, we said it a couple of times, just, just a great weekend for, for our New Jersey schools that we cover here. And a big week ahead, especially Wednesday. We'll start with Seton Hall because they have Xavier at home on Wednesday before going to Philadelphia Villanova on Saturday, Jerry. A big week ahead for the Pirates, as we said. Another opportunity to continue to build that resume coming off a nice week with wins over Georgetown and Creighton. So I don't think Xavier will be ranked today uh, when the rankings come out shortly after they lost to DePaul, but they will still be a quad one win at home for Seton Hall. If Seton Hall can get the win and just further enhance their resume, get them to six and six. Uh, I do I do like Seton Hall in this game. They've played well against Xavier in recent years. Zach Fremantle, who's a, a bull in the china shop for Xavier's front court, is a Bergen Catholic guy, uh, a, a Bergen, former Bergen County star. And, uh, you know, he he's a tough matchup for anybody. But uh, Seton Hall has some guys, some big guys, Alexis Yetna, uh, Tyrese Samuel. They can throw different bodies at him at that, that four spot. So so it's a, I think it's a good matchup for the Hall, with or without Bryce Aiken. Of course, you'd rather have Bryce Aiken than not have him. But if Aiken does play, he's not going to just come in, and I, I don't think going to come in and play 30 minutes. I mean, he's, the guy's been out. He's been wearing sunglasses and earplugs. It's going to take some time. Now, he was he was present at the game against Creighton Friday in the arena, which is a great sign. It's going to take some time to integrate him back in. They've learned to play without him. And plus, it's going to take time for him to get his legs back and to get his win back. And, you know, these athletes are so fine-tuned that when they miss time like that, it does take some time. I do like the matchup for Seton Hall, uh, and I feel like Seton Hall has sort of turned the corner or hit the accelerator. So the goal for Seton Hall this week is to go one and one you, know, you can never expect a team to walk into Villanova and win. Villanova just just absolutely crushed uh, uh, UConn. And Villanova was missing Justin Moore, who has an ankle injury, probably their best player, definitely their best pro prospect. And then Colin Gillespie appeared to hurt his ankle at the end of the Connecticut game. So I don't know what Villanova is going to have in a week, uh, in a week on Saturday. You never doubt Villanova, but it's certainly winnable for Seton Hall. I mean, they could win down there. They broke that hex down there two years ago, that 25-year losing streak. So – I think a one-on-one week does the job for Seton Hall. A 2-0 week, which is certainly not out of the question, a 2-0 week gets them back into the top 25. And to me, the key is to con- the continued evolution of Kadari Richmond, a point guard. He, he has ter- he's played much better uh, against Creighton. It's been an up-and-down season for him. And, you know, listen, he's coming from Syracuse, totally different system. Kevin Willard and his staff are now getting the, really getting their hooks into him as a point guard. and. If he continues to progress, then you know handle the ball well. Seton Hall is going to have a lot of weapons, and I, I like I like the way they're looking. One and one at the very least, and I would not be surprised if the Pirates go two and zero oh and are back in the top twenty-five. It starts Wednesday with Xavier at home and Villanova on Saturday. Part two of that big Wednesday slate of games for the Scarlet Knights, Chris. They have Ohio State at home. And, of course, as we've been saying for years, it seems like, with this Scarlet Knights team, they're totally different at home. Then they go on the road Saturday for a tough matchup with Wisconsin. But it starts Wednesday with the Buckeyes. Yeah, absolutely, Ryan. I mean, this, look, this Big Ten gauntlet continues, right? And, and Rutgers needs as many wins as it can. Um, you know, they started today at uh, 99 in the rank in the net. So they've cracked double digits. So that's a step, but they certainly need to, you know, keep that going and, and to try and climb higher. Um, l- listen, I mean, Ohio State's a good team. The EJ Liddell is one of the best players in the country. They're going to have to find a way to limit him. And Rutgers has done a good job at, at 
oftentimes this season in, in guarding you know their opponent's best player. But EJ Dell's tough, and and Ohio State is one of the best offenses in the Big Ten. They're they're a very good shooting team. Uh, but again, obviously, as you said, Ryan, you know at home, Rutgers has played very very well. So they're going to have to play at a high level defensively um, to beat Ohio State, and then at home against uh, on the road against Wisconsin. You know, again, going up against one of the best players in the country and Jonathan Davis, um, that's going to be another big challenge. So, you know, we'll see if, if Rutgers can kind of get that road win um, at Wisconsin, but that's that's not going to be an easy thing. Listen, I mean, if, if they can beat Ohio State, that's a big step. It, it's it's going to be, you know, the way that they've played, it's tough to see them going on the road and, and getting a Wisconsin win. But if they play at a high level and if Paul Mulcahy continues to play like he is, they can get it done, as we've seen. But it just all goes to, you know, it just depends on what version of Rutgers shows up. But listen, I mean, this is they, they don't have any much room for for error at this point. Uh, they need to pile up wins, and, and this is another big week for them. Ruck, Rutgers is seven and five in the league. Uh, they need to get to twelve. They, twelve wins is the key. They need to get to twelve. Uh, that means going five and three the rest of the way. That means winning at least one game on the road. What Piece road game. game is Rutgers going to win <laughs> at Wisconsin? At Purdue, um, at Michigan again. This is Michigan and Purdue are two teams they've beaten at home. They'll have their full attention. So you know you're asking uh, these. Are, this is a tall, tall orders. Any one of the games will do. Beating Ohio State would be nice. It's important. But if you saw with Michigan State, you know Rutgers crushed Michigan State at home. They only moved up 11 spots in the net. It's a lot of spots. But when you're when your net is in the hundreds, you need more. You need to win on the road. So you can only play the game that's in front of you. It starts with Ohio State, but you know Rutgers is going to have to pick off somebody on the road and get to twelve. I want to mention Seton Hall with the need. Seton Hall needs to get to nine Big East wins. They have five right now. Nine probably gets them in. You sweat a little bit. Ten is a lock, and you're playing for seed in the dance. And so these are the numbers we're dealing with. Seton Hall has given themselves a cushion by doing better out of conference. That's just that's just the way this works. Absolutely. And and as we said, Rutgers, you know, they've they've had a nice win. They need more. And and like you said, Jerry, they're eventually gonna have to try to steal one on the road if uh if they want to really boost their their ranking and boost their tournament resume. At Indiana is the final Rutgers road game. Okay. Right. At Indiana. They have owned Indiana. They have been Indiana's dad for the last couple of years. But Indiana's a little better this year. Indiana's, Indiana's a, little, a little tougher, and they have a great All-American caliber big man. I don't know that you want to let it be riding on that game that you have to win at the end of the season in order to get in. You know, Rutgers can start really digging itself out. They kind of started, but they can really dig themselves out this week. And again, which Scarlet Knights team will show up? We shall see, but a big week ahead for Rutgers. As for our mid-majors, Steve, should be business as usual for Princeton. They have Dartmouth at home on Saturday. But let's focus on the MAC because Monmouth, they have Marist at home Tuesday, at Manhattan Friday, at Iona on Sunday. St. Peter's, they're home against Ryder, but a big week coming up for the Hawks. Yeah, it's an interesting week for the Hawks. I mean, the Marist game, Monmouth played at Marist last month they lost by 36 and they scored the last 10 points of that game. They were down 46 and Marist is in last place in the Mac. So you got to just toss that game out. It, it, I, I would be surprised if Mammoth is not, you know, totally focused on Marist and, and wins that game pretty handily, you know, Friday at Manhattan, never easy. Jose Perez, who played at Marquette last year, is the leading scorer in the MAC 
he crushed Mammoth the first game. Mammoth will beat him, but he is very hard to handle. That'll be a tough game uh, at Manhattan. You know, Massiello always does a pretty good job getting getting his team ready for you. And then we come to Sunday at Iona. That's the game. Um, again, even Mammoth lost in overtime by a point at home to Iona last month. Uh, in a game where they missed four free throws in the final minute. They had the game one in regulation. Um, so I think it'll be a good game. Again, it, it, it's more about sending a message. I'm not sure that anyone's going to be able to catch Iona. It's all about kind of positioning behind them, ideally getting the second or third seed so you don't have to see them until the final of the MAC tournament. Um, so we'll see. It, it will be a very interesting week for sure. Um, I will be more interested in Mammoth Iona than I will be in the Super Bowl on Sunday. <laughs> no, no offense. I like the NFL, and I'll watch the Super Bowl, but Mammoth Iona's, that's what's getting me fired up Sunday. <laughs> that's right. Busy day of sports, huh? You got you got that to warm you up, and then the Super Bowl at night. Not bad. Well, and, and listen, I mean, I think St. Peter's, you know, if they can just keep taking care of business – um, I, I think they're probably going to get the second seed. You know, they, they've got the, the edge on it now. Uh, Shaheen Holloway has that team playing well. Um, I, I, I would be surprised if they don't continue to on that upward trend. And they're going to be a tough out. You know, they, they lost Iona uh, last week, uh, two weeks ago, actually. And it, listen, it was a close. They were winning at halftime and they hung with them. But Iona just pulled away at the end. Um, I, I think St. Peter's is going to be very much a factor there. It seems like just a couple weeks ago, if you go back and listen to some of our shows, we were talking about St. Peter's being kind of in the middle of the pack, a little bit up and down, and they've almost very quietly just stuck to their business, take care of business, and now they find themselves in second place. It's It's been a great job for them. Yeah, no, listen, and I think I think depending on how this season goes, I think you're going to hear Shaheen Holloway's name mentioned in in some openings. I think people understand this guy can coach. He's very intense. You know, you see him on the sideline during these games. He is a hundred percent, you know, up and down the sidelines, yelling, screaming. I mean, he is he he really is a good coach, and I, I would be surprised if he is not getting some serious consideration for jobs. No question, he's ready. He'll make an athletic director somewhere look very smart in a, in a couple of months or years, however long it might be, but it seems like it's coming pretty soon. That's going to do it for Episode 7 of Jersey Jump Shot. A big week last week and a big week coming up for our New Jersey college basketball teams. Thank you so much for listening. Of course, Jerry, Steve, and Chris are busy writing articles for NorthJersey.com and APP.com. Be sure to check out the reporting there. Of course, tell your friends if you like what you hear and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform. That's going to do it for Jersey Jump Shot. Enjoy the games this week. We'll be back next week to break it all down. For Jerry, for Steve, for Chris, I'm Ryan. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you next week. Jersey Jump Shot is a production of the Asbury Park Press and USA Today Network. Subscribe at app.com.